Hello and Hi. good evening. Welcome to Pushing Boundaries. Uh, with TNA, I'm T. And I'm A. And we're pushing your boundaries on conventional thought. And tonight we're talking about porn and oh my God, the porn. adult entertainment industry. Yeah. Which I'm very excited for because T, you and I have been wanting to talk about this for a long time. We, did, we about just porn everything about in general. It. Yeah, because we have. We, we, I have it's a lot a of topic that comes up a lot. It's a topic that comes up a lot. There's a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, a lot of yay charged and nay. Feelings. It's very charged, right? So, um, I mean, everyone has an opinion on it. Everyone does, and so I'm really excited because today we're going to be talking um, with uh, Dr. Chantelle Tibbles, and she is a sociologist, mm-hmm. and she is a sociologist in the world, well, in every way, but also in specifically in sex in the adult industry yeah. and porn. So so we're going to get a, a professional, in-depth study, study of the industry and, and its impact in society and, and kind of the range. I think also the book talks about uh, like kind of the average person's perspective on it to like the adult entertainers, you know, actual experiences. She's got a lot to say on it. She's the author of the book Exposure. A sociologist explores sex, society, and adult entertainment, and uh, it's it's pre-selling. It's coming out in July seventh. Um, it's going to be out in, on Powell's and Amazon and everywhere else. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the book. I'm excited to have her on. And yeah, uh, yeah. So we're going to be talking with Chantel a little bit. But T, mm-hmm. I want to. I think it's good for you and I to kind of catch up on where you and I stand on porn and what your experience is so with it. So complicated. <laughs> uh, I mean. Look, a little bit of a classic, you know, American, you know, when I was really young, I was super anti-porn. I was just like, this is the devil's work. (laughs) I was never really religious, so that sounds wrong. But But somehow it was in your mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, actually, two things. That's not true. I mean, it is twofold. As a child, my friends and I discovered, what was that channel? It was like 70. Cinemax. I don't think it was, it was like, and it was always staticky, but it was porn. Right, right, right. And we would watch it. Yeah. All together. Through the static? <laughs> yeah, through the static. <laughs> well, mostly imagination was filling in the gaps. <laughs> well, I mean, you could see most of it. Really? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was there. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then at the same, maybe as I got a little more older, I started to just think, okay, there are serious problems with it. I, I, did, I thought it's degrading to women. It's um, misrepresentation of sex, like all these kinds of classic things. I really tied it to issues with like, with, um, sex work and, uh, prostitution and, um, also sex slavery. Like I, I, I believe that they were all the same thread. Right. Um, they all came together and yeah, yeah. And I'm interested to hear indeed what Dr. Tibbles has to say on, on that, because I think it is sort of a, there are of course, links i mean i think they do come together in certain ways i mean you have things like you know porn on t- on on online and is it all right you but, know yeah and, done them you know for themselves by themselves or is it forced by other people i mean that kind of stuff right um anyway but so i think i had a lot of issues of like tying all that together mm-hmm. um but then as i got older uh i got more comfortable with it i mean i definitely you know, sometimes watch some porn. I'm I'm no expert on it either, but there are, you know, it's like you find that there are certain personalities you like more than others. <laughs> right. So you watch porn now? Yeah, a little bit. Occasionally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I also, 
And then I also discovered certain things like Tristan Taramino does these videos where she empowers the actual porn artist, mm-hmm. uh, a porn star, whatever, uh, to speak about like their fantasies and their desires, and then they reenact that desire and fantasy. So the female voice is being spoken, and then they're reenacting those sexual fantasies. Yeah. Um, and I like that empowerment of the porn star, not just... Uh, uh, there for our projections. Right, okay. Seeing seeing them as an actual active, like yeah. a person. I feel like that was just like a giant vomit up of like everything that has ever gone through my head about porn. <laughs> it's How funny, about you, though. Ray? Well, oh, I, you know, I have to say, I, I have a lot of judgment around it. And I think my biggest beef, and I'm conflicted about that because I hear a lot of People, you know, we're it's we're in the sex positive community, and I know a lot of people really enjoy it, and I do occasionally do enjoy it. But it's when I'm in a particularly carnal and like darker sexual place, I suppose, and it's a particular arousal that also it inspires when I me. Get off really quickly, I'm like, I yeah. don't, have, I ain't got no time for this. Really? I need to come. <laughs> yeah, but but I get I get really I, I I am very particular about what I don't know what does turn me on, what doesn't. But my biggest beef with it is that I. And I, and I feel myself, ju- I know that I'm judging this, but I do feel like I, I have a beef with that. I feel like it is very, it's, it's a performance. It's totally a performance. And um, I think maybe I'm angry that I think I learned this as a kid, but like yeah. that was, this was my sex education right. more or less. Mm-hmm. And so I've, for like, you know, a decade or more, I've had to re- like deprogram myself not to be a performer in the bedroom. Yeah, and, and that's yes, where my anger—big issue. And that's where my anger with the porn industry is, and I think that's where a lot of my judgment comes from. Yeah. So I judge the whole thing as this, oh, go ahead. like not stupid, but like ridiculous and harmful. Harmful to our education because we don't have any education in this country. Yeah, and yeah. any formal education that helps people find their way. I, I also I, that reminds me of a kind of a sexual encounter when I was in college, and I. I definitely was not watching porn then. And if anything, like, if I – I was at the point of, like, if the guy that – and, of course, do they watch it? Sure. But, I, you know, I remember some guy being kind of very open about it in front of me. And I was like, and we're never dating. <laughs> uh, uh, obviously, I'm not like that anymore. But I did – just what you just what you said about um, how you're learning it. I had one guy sort of say to me, well, watch porn. Like, that's how you learn. I still hear this from men, and and I'm like, oh my god! I now that I've watched more porn, I do think that you can go. There are technical things. Sure, that's true. That's an interesting little trick. I I agree. But but my guess is you see it on porn. Maybe it's the first time you see it, and then maybe you want to read a little bit about like before you're sticking your fingers certain places, or you know, uh, just things that require like hygiene and. You know, and and not tearing tissue or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I I do think it, it, you know, it obviously is the performance version of it. And I think I really liked our episode about, you know, Do Communists Have Better Sex, that that documentary by the BBC that was um, highlighting how before the wall came down, Eastern Germany, you know, how they really understood the difference between, like, image and performance. Right. And sex itself. And and differentiating a difference between fantasy and kind of fun entertainment consumption. Yeah. Which I would say porn would fall into, except that here in the U.S., like you're saying, we're learning from it, and that becomes I think that yes, I, I think our it's definition not distinguishable of sex. at all, and yeah, and that that's har- harmful for sure. Wow, I have a lot of anger around this. I have oh, to admit, you're yeah, getting flustered right now. I well, I mean, just when I really, I'm really reflecting on it, right? And so, so uh, yeah, and I, I've been aware of it, but I, I guess I'm I'm relate I'm I'm able to link the judgment to anger. 
of you're, like having to unwind these. I think that you're programs. right, though. That I can't say that I, I feel like I was a big victim to performance in sex, which well, is like being well. Okay, but it, but right. no, but in a way, I was inhibited, and I think right. some of it was definitely because of imagery in my head of what it what should, should be, be like. So then I was afraid of it being wrong or being right. embarrassed. Right. And then, that's what I'm talking about. And yeah. then I was like, oh, this guy just wants me to like have fun, and when I'm having fun, then I look good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, and it's yeah. insane that, you know, all of this is in our heads, right? But it is all in our heads. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I think every episode I managed to fit this in, but may also speak to why <laughs> women are not having orgasms. <laughs> yes, the uh, ever-important orgasm for you. I'm just saying. No, I know, and I to totally agree. Hey, that was my thing. That was my thing. Like, I didn't orgasm for, yeah, probably the first several, yeah, probably eight years of sex. Wow. Yeah. Like, really, especially with intercourse. And that was why. That's what I'm saying. Like, I have a lot of anger. Like, wow, around you should have anger. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> In sex. I mean, like, with intercourse, you know? Yeah. But, well, like, can I say this? Like I said, I'm, I love, like, mentioning Tristan Taramino's work with giving the, the female porn star the voice and kind of empowering her and her work. And I think there are porn stars who. Um, kind of our empowered performers like um, Nina Hartley, right. uh, b- but so many of them are not, you know. And I and I think about like I we I was think. performing we a think. comedy show once and uh, here in L.A. And this is my first time. Now that I live in L.A., I meet people who are in the porn industry, right, right in a way that I never did before. And um and this you know young woman and her boyfriend like they invited us over. It was after the show. and They're like, hey, do you want to you know come over? Uh, <laughs> I know. No, I don't no they know. no. They were like, <laughs> do you want to come over? You know, smoke some whatever. And, yeah, and uh, and like have some root beer floats. And I was like, yeah, I want to have some root beer floats. <laughs> so I went over and kind of you know she's telling us her life story. I mean, definitely a harder road than the average bear. You know, and, and kind For of, her. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, finding her way and, and working in this industry. And here's the question is how much of it is the industry preying on vulnerable people and how much of it is, you know, people have issues anyway, yeah. whether they're in the industry or something else. But, you know, one of her issues, you know, having like bipolar issues or like mental health problems and also. Well, it is a stereotype, yeah, that, that women in the sex industry come with a darker, jaded past and history. And we've had a lot. We've had Veronica Monet on and, and a, some, a few other sex workers who, um, who you know, are counter examples of that. They are counter examples, but, that but is they're the not stereotype. the majority. Right. Well, yeah. And I think, I think, uh. Um, Chantel is going to have a lot, a lot yeah. to say about. It. She studied, she, you know, she's worked with these people and you know, gotten into their lives and them, yeah. So I'm, cu- and that's something I'm curious about too. Um, so yeah, I, I will say Can this there though: be a porn industry with healthy sex workers. Well, that, and that's <laughs> one of my questions is, you know, where, what's yeah. Anyway, we'll get to it. But the future of porn industry, where we are now. How is it harmful? How is it helpful? These are well, and things then something that, like James Dean, right? Who's who's come to the rise as well. I mean, he's sort of this iconic one that managed to build a name for himself. But talk about going into it on his own, creating his own PR machine, and like, well, sure, it's it's a business. It's <laughs> yeah. a business like anything else. But um, I, I will say this though: I I do enjoy er- erotic images, and I you know I'm not like anytime I see anything that's arousing or erotic, I'm like, no, this is evil or bad. I do enjoy it, but just the the superficiality of porn uh, stirs up a lot for me. Yeah, I also yeah. had a lot more. Um, I had a lot more shame around th- th- sexual imagery, this kind of thing, 
growing up, and just in recent years, I've become more comfortable with saying, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll watch a porn video here and there. Yeah. The other thing is, in that, I've almost been afraid to explore the porn videos, right? And just what you said, I'm amazed by the have the range of them, and they're somewhere I go, oh my god, this is awful, and it is that sort of more like violent whatever, and, right. and it's not. Yeah. Um, sensual and then there are videos i'm like this is deliciously sensual for sure uh full-on sure. porn where the woman's obviously like making sure she's getting what she needs and uh and sometimes they're like these role play things about like marriages and you know like <laughs> yeah. i don't know like every thing is out there that's true um so i want to bring on chantelle dr chantelle yeah. Tibbles. and she uh again she, you can find her work at uh chantelletibbles.com that's chantelle with an e-l-l at the end T-I-B-B-A-L-S. And you can tweet her at Dr. Chantel. And um, so she she's amazing. She, she I Sociologists I love. I think the work of sociologists is amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, they're just studying all the questions that we have. Exactly. And, in um, the field. But, she, you awesome. know, her work is she's written for Men's Health and Uproxx and Vice. And she's been on NBC and written for Playboy. So her work is NPR everywhere. NPR, too. NPR's quoted her. Lots <laughs> of quotes everywhere. So, um, Madame Chantel... Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Hi. We're good. How are We're you? We're so good. <laughs> I am awesome. I'm super excited to be here. Did we did We're, we hit on all the stereotypes? And do you hate us now? <laughs> and issues around oh, No, there's there's got to be it. There's a couple more stereotypes. You guys definitely got the exploited. <laughs> you got the sex trafficking. You got the women aren't into it. You missed the the drug addled and dumb. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> That's right. That's one. Um, and I hit mental health. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't, you didn't touch I, on um, underage exploitation. Oh, right. yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true, too. So we yeah, got a lot. No, you guys, you definitely, definitely went through the gauntlet of things <laughs> that people say and talk about related to adult entertainment, for sure. Right. So, um, which is why we're excited to have you on, because as, I, as much as I share my judgments and my emotion and my anger toward the industry, I'm, I'm, I'm open, and I want to hear... Because you're right. I mean, you were writing about how this is such a huge industry and there are so many people that are into it and addicted to it and are, you know, work at it. And I, I think you're. Yeah, I think it's, it's worth it's, knowing about. There's for sure. so much. Yeah. There's so much. It's so complicated. And the thing that, you know, is interesting and listen to you both talk as we're sort of leading in here, nothing that any of you are saying or either of you are saying is off mark in the sense that, we don't know any better. Like, that's part of the, the issue with our culture, and it really is rooted in ideologies and shame that we have related to sex. And this goes back, like, since the dawn of our United States of American humanity. We are a culture mm-hmm. that is predicated on ideas about sexual normativity and about sexual shame. So we get all of that and we end up, you know, fast forward however many hundreds or thousands of years, depending on when you want to start talking about our culture beginning. And um, we get to this place where we don't talk about sex. We don't even talk about physiology. We have young people growing up and coming up that have raging hormones, developing sexualities, variable identities. And they don't even get lessons on basic physiology. We have adults who are decades and decades and decades into their sex lives, into adulthood, who have basic questions about birth control or about conception or about going from anal to vaginal sex and what kind of issues that might cause, you know, things like that. We don't even talk about basic health 
related issues. And so then when you add this dimension of porn on top of it, and you see these images or you hear these stereotypes, or we as individuals take our perspectives and our eyes and our experiences, and then we look at what we're seeing on screen, and we read that content against what we know. And I mean, obviously, we're going to do that with everything. All of these things swirl together, and then you add into the fact that, you know, we're very, very discriminatory about the very, very mysterious adult entertainment industry, and we get, you know, the conversation that we're having right now. I don't know. I don't know if there actually is sex trafficking involved. I don't know if women are actually enjoying this. I don't know who's involved in producing this. These are common questions that we're almost set up to ask, so none of it's surprising. Yeah. Wow. And so you, um, so you talk about all of this in your book, right? I'm... I talk about a slice of this. There's no way I can talk uh-huh. about all of it. Like the Encyclopedia <laughs> by Dr. Tibbles. I can write a book about every day. Right. <laughs> There's so much. I mean, it's so complicated and so vast. But basically, you know, what my book gets at is a very kind of human look at both myself as a person who grew up you know, I'm currently 37 years old, mm-hmm. so I grew up in, you know, I kind of came of age in the 90s, a little bit pre-internet and a little bit post-internet. I had every single negative stereotype, every single idea. Um, I was in grad school. Um, I went to UCLA as an undergrad, and then I went over the hill to the San Fernando Valley, Cal State Northridge, and I was getting my master's. And I started studying sex and feminism and, you know, scholarship in that area. And what I was being fed as scholarship was academic research that essentially said these exact same things. Mm. All porn is exploitative. All porn is bad. Mm. Um, Men control this industry that is built on the backs, off the backs, whatever, of women. Always exploited, always terrible. And I I was reading this, and I completely got sucked into it because I didn't know any better. But my little logical brain was there in the San Fernando Valley going to school and, you know, kind of asking this little needling question on the side. How is it then that this industry is legal? How is it then that this this content is being produced? You know, I'm currently in Northridge and Chatsworth is right over there. How is this happening? It didn't make sense to me. So I just started investigating further. And it was really interesting as I started asking more questions people in the industry were very, very, you know, it took a lot of work to kind of get contacts and stuff because I knew nobody. But people in the industry, after, you know, getting over being leery, were almost so excited to tell their stories and explain, like, this is my perspective, this is what's happening, this is what's happened to me, you know, here's my story. Mm -hmm. And as I heard more stories and learned more information, I noticed two things. The first was that, like, we're really invested in this porn is bad story, probably because of our cultural history. And the second thing was that there wasn't any like information to kind of counter this story. So I couldn't come with like facts or data or anything because we don't have any of that research. So there's no, you know, when you hear people talking about how many billions of dollars the industry makes or how many people are involved in or whatnot, all those things are all guesstimates because we don't even research. We wow. don't even have basic wow. demographics about the industry. That's well, it's how also decentralized. of wow. it we are. I mean, it's decentralized. I mean, you have like major, almost like studios, right? Or like they're major certain mm-hmm. talent agents, if you will, for agencies yes. for these 
people, but then there's also all the people that upload for free and upload their own videos or have their own websites. And I mean, it's, yeah, the it's industry, sort of infinite. The industry is really going through, you know, in the past, really marked in the past five years, but it's this change that kind of started in the past 10 years. It went from a very conventional kind of studio model. You know, if you think about like old Hollywood or something, you'd have a production house, you'd have contract performers, you'd have people got got hired on a per scene basis, but it was very like, you know, so-and-so is part of this studio. They're a regular employee. They do this, that, and the other. But now, post-internet, things have changed so dramatically. You have... um, so much more performer autonomy, performers, especially with social media, you know, you add social media in with technology, performers can directly interact with their audiences now. They own their own content, many, you know, own their own content, own their own website, do all of their own production, and really kind of are these very powerful marketers, and it's James all Dean. due to technology. But technology also comes with bad. You know, people talk a lot about tube sites and stuff, and right. tube sites are terrible because the vast majority of them, most of the content that is on there is pirated, stolen content that is uploaded illegally. So when we go to a tube site, we're watching content that, you know, the performers and the producers are not getting paid for, um, and so that contributes to this shrinking industry, shrinking money, less jobs, on and on. And we also get a very, very skewed slice of what adult content is. A lot of companies, you know, you mentioned Tristan Termino, but in addition to her work, there is so much work by very, very powerful, very feminist-directed um, performers and directors that you won't see on a tube site because these are people who have very, very aggressive anti-piracy campaigns, and so they get their work taken down. So you Mm -hmm. won't go to a tube site and easily find content for something like Girlfriend's Film or New Sensations or Shush.com or something like that. Because that content that is very, very feminist, very woman-centered, high production values, really interesting. Not to say the other stuff's not interesting in its own right. But that content is taken down. When we go to tube sites, what we're looking at is a very, very, like I said, a very, very skewed, you know, skewed version of what porn is. That's very true. Wow. I, I love what that says about, I, for example, I, even with my own shame around porn or the, the kind of just coming out of my shell of going, okay, maybe I will watch some. Right. Um, then I had this strong bias of ever paying for it, right? So then you're right. Mm-hmm. You're The people who have shame around it that don't want to ever be associated with paying for it are kind of only consuming this skewed thing that you can access online right. for free. Mm. So, yeah, whereas if you really take control of the kind of entertainment you want to see, right. there are actually mm-hmm. mediums for it. If yeah. there's less shame around there, it, you know, you can access things and, that, and that's that intrigue you. That's so, I mean, think about what that says. I am interested in porn, perhaps. Or not. I don't know. I want to see what it is, but I definitely don't want to pay for it because I don't want that on my credit card or I don't want that. I don't want that happening. So what you then end up getting is kind of like the dregs of right. adult content. And so, you know, when you when you hear like I mean, academics are guilty of this time and time again. Oh, a sampling of content on a widely trafficked tube site. That sampling of content wow. is right in of itself, suffering from so much selection bias. And looking at that as a picture of the industry is just, it's like another, you know, it's like we're caught in this eddy or this feedback loop that it just increasingly intensifies. 
because we don't understand how the industry is structured, we then look at a tube site as representative content. And we do that because we don't understand it. So it gives us this picture that it's all bad. So we don't want to understand more. So we look, you know what I mean? Like how it's circling wow. like that. Wow. And it's, 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 it's not to say, you know, all, I mean, I have watched more porn <laughs> than <laughs> you can imagine. And not all of it's wonderful. I don't like all of it. Some of it I love. Some of the greatest films I've ever seen in my life are porn, quote unquote. Wow. Um, I want to see those. I was inspired is... by a porn video where I was so impressed by the camera work. It's blown my mind. <laughs> it's blown my mind. Like yeah. the, the camera yeah. work, the choices. It was unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so, like, it, it's like it was avant-garde. It was avant-garde mainstream movies art. are not all amazing. Porn, not all amazing. And it's intensely personal. So, you know, you can watch, I have no idea what the most recent movie I went and saw. You can watch a Planet of the Apes movie, and some people will love it, and some people will hate it, just like porn. Love it or hate it. So it's all very, you know, there's all of these different factors going into our assessment of it, and Mm -hmm. all of that is fine. But the idea that we don't even have a basic structural understanding of what we're looking at as a culture, so we just kind of shirk away from it, that's where the, the Big yes. problem. Yeah, Start, that is. Amazing point. We need to take a break. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Chantel Tibble. T- excuse me, Dr. Chantel Tibbles. <laughs> you can tweet her at uh, Dr. Chantel, and uh, tweet you us can tweet at us at TSX Talk. TSX Talk. We'll see you in a minute. You know I can't stand it. You're running around. You know better than it. I can't stand it because you put me down. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're talking with Dr. Chantel Tibbles. And hi. T- hi. <laughs> hi. We're back. <laughs> I'm going to add it in there. And uh, Dr. Chantel is a, you're a sociologist and you are studying all kinds of things, but specifically uh, sex and society and adult entertainment. And you have a new book coming out in July called Exposure. Yes. It's pre-selling at yes. Powell's and Amazon and everywhere else. So check it out. And we're having a wonderful conversation about the porn industry. And you are uh, saying so much important information that is really helping us <laughs> alleviate some of our concerns and judgments and help enlighten us about the porn industry. Um, I wanted to ask you about or maybe go into talking about the people involved in the porn industry, because again, there are, like T and I mentioned earlier, there, I think there's a lot of judgments and stereotypes around the kind of people involved in this industry. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit and help us understand who these people are and why they do well, what they do. Of course. I mean, obviously, the best way to understand 
anybody and anybody's motivations is to, to talk to them directly. <laughs> so, you know, what an I mean, idea. The best, way to <laughs> the best way to understand why a person would choose to be a porn performer or even just work in the industry, you know, there's a, it, it's not exactly my favorite statistic, but it's also the only statistic that sort of exists. Um, that it's, it's an estimate that says about one-fifth of the people who work in adult entertainment are performers, meaning four-fifths of those people are behind-the-scenes folks, so people who are never in front of the camera, hmm. who you never see, who they're not porn stars, they're not naked, they're not having sex, they're not doing any of that stuff. Right. Editors, distributors, directors, so, gaffers. Well, they're, you know, they're HR folks. There are people who run warehouses. There are people who run payroll. They are publicity people. They are people who write for publications. They're people who work in adult novelty, um, who, you know, help design sex toys or who make connections between adult content and, you know, adult novelty products. So people who do those tie-ins, um, people who work in trade associations, in law, and the thing about the adult entertainment industry that's really interesting is that um, because we are such a discriminatory culture and it's still <laughs> legal to discriminate against uh, quote-unquote sex-related businesses, the adult industry has a whole back-end part of the industry um, that they've developed to sort of work around that sort of stuff. So PayPal won't process adult-related, whatever that means, um, Wow. So a person who's working yeah. as a cam girl, for example, who is selling some socks or some panties or a signed photograph of herself because it's a sex-related occupation, PayPal won't process that. Wow. So wow. how then, how, yeah, and, yeah. and there are terms of service that are privately held. Those businesses are allowed to do that. Um, if yeah. that was any other group in the world, would not we would be, be up in arms. Totally. We would be up in arms. But because it's, adult-related or sex-related, we don't care. Um, mm. So then how then does that person get paid for her work? Well, you know, the adult entertainment industry has developed payment processing, web hosting. Um, Google recently started blocking searches. So the adult entertainment industry now has this its own search engine called BootyGo that you can go and look for, I don't know, whatever you want to look, and it won't be blocked because... Wow. Even wow. if you go and Google, like a random, like looking for a definition in Google now, you won't find it. And that's really fascinating because we're, we're pushing, you know, we, we continue to push this dimension of sex into the, into the fringes. And, right. you know, it's really distressing. So well, I hear in you. Terms of why would somebody get involved with this industry, though? That's the question. <laughs> yes. No, well, uh, well, well, I, well, let me just no, ask. Real, so, yeah, okay. So <laughs> since you brought that up, let me just ask you. Um, well, I mean, I bring up a point, I guess. Well, I'm hearing this. I'm like, wow, yeah, that is where we are really discriminatory as a culture mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. And that's – I. That's frustrating. That frustrating and bad, and I feel bad for these girls or, or these people. However, at the same time, I think about, again, the kids who are learning about sex through the porn industry, and if they go and on Google right. and, like, find all this stuff, I'm like, so I kind of see that as well. For sure. Wow. It's absolutely, and that's, that's the thing that, like, that's such a huge question, and that's something that, that we as a culture need to rather than block searches, for example, and ghettoize a whole community online, we should really ask ourselves. Because do you really think that Google blocking a search could prevent a very, very mm -hmm. curious 
16-year-old or 14-year-old or 12-year-old with a semi-decent vocabulary from finding whatever they want online? No. Absolutely not. All that's doing is not populating the search. Yeah, and it's also imprinting, I think, in them that what they're looking for is wrong. Right, like you know yeah, what I mean? absolutely. to be kept secret, it's, to never be talked about. It's this shame right. stuff that we were talking about earlier. It's, you know, even if it's a young person looking up something like condom application, what if they look up condom porn, for example? That is something that exists, is there. Maybe they're looking for some kind of guide to, to what a condom and sex looks like or something like that, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't be looking at adult entertainment for because adult entertainment is not absent some like educational guides and stuff. Like there are some sort of explicit adult tutorials. I mean, uh, Wicked Pictures makes the guide for Wicked Sex series, for example. Mm-hmm. That's content that is explicit and is done with, you know, an educational tenor. But the vast majority of adult content is not intended for educational use. It's intended for fantasy. But that that's not the question. The question is, what do we do about young people? It is my opinion, as a person who's been studying this for a very long time, mm-hmm. that blocking access to anything when people are curious, especially when it has to do with sex, is the exact opposite way of getting them to like not participate yeah, in it. Off. When you you know, yeah. if you look at states that specialize, quote unquote, in abstinence only education, that's where you find the highest rate of teen pregnancy. Right. Not denying people information is not going to help them. It's getting the correct or at least judgment free accurate information out there and, and putting it out in a, in a way that people can access. So right, there's a site, content. for example, called Scarlet Teen, which is like the go-to resource for sex ed online oh, for young people that, that just teen. presents information in an educational manner in an age-appropriate way. Adult content never claims to do that. And in fact, it's really interesting because years ago, I think over 10 years ago now at this point, the adult entertainment industry uh, developed this little bit of software called Restricted to Adults, and it's a little tag. And the vast majority of reputable professional adult entertainment sites have this little bit of code embedded on their site. And all you have to do is go into your computer and turn it on, and then your computer, when it's on the Internet, I don't know how this works, but somehow Internet magic, (laughs) it won't come up. So if you go to a website, if you go, I mentioned Girlfriend's Films earlier for whatever reason. So if you go to something like Girlfriend's Films and you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see a little badge that says restricted to adults. And what that means is that that company has put that code on their website as an attempt to block that website from underage persons or from people in general who don't want to see it because that's not what it's for. So. There's little steps and little pieces like this. Now, obviously, the next thing you say to that is, my kid, I did that to my computer, and my kid either knows how to get around it or he just goes over to his friend's house and looks at it over there. Mm -hmm. Yes, probably, of course, 120%. But then that gets to the point, like, when when do you have a conversation with exactly. your younger? Right. It just sounds like people need to be communicating. Right. What are you trying you, to censor? When do you say something? Because, like, how there's only you block the computer, and then you can't go over to your friend's house, and then you can't talk about this, and you can't talk about that, and now you can't watch TV after 5 o'clock in the afternoon because God only knows what's on there. <laughs> it gets to a point where it's not about porn. It's about acknowledging that we're dealing with a young person 
or an adult age person, but somebody who's curious about sex and is looking for answers. So, well, sex education there, there, and a, responsible yeah, there's and, a different and education that's and responsible there. consumption. And nobody, and nobody who's an adult entertainment producer will tell you that, hey, this is a guide, you know, this is how to do this and how to do that. That's not what it's for. So, you know, we, we start to get into this kind of chicken and egg question of like, somebody's looking for it. Well, when do I talk about it? But they're looking for it. When do I talk about it? Back and forth. Hmm. Um. Well, should we go? I don't know yeah. the answer. Yeah, no, I, no, but 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 what you're, yeah. Well, I mean, I th- it seems like everything is pointing to the issue being sex education, not right. porn. Sex education, sex education, and valuing education, and that's another like really important thing about it because right. it's like, yeah, I don't know. When you think, I mean, I remember, I don't know, maybe I was really obnoxious when I was younger, but I can remember being in school. And psh- I don't need to know this. I don't care because I didn't value it for whatever reason. It just seemed like silly, stupid school. And what I wanted to do was ditch class and hang out with my friends. So there is both a piece of providing the information and connecting that information through making that information seem appropriate or compelling or I don't know. Like, I don't know what the word is. I don't work. I don't work as an educator for young people. Um, I don't know how to do that. That's miraculous and amazing the people who do know how to do that but that's the puzzle is to both get the access to education there and then find a way to make it compelling i don't think you have a problem well i don't think there's a problem in in the desire to learn about sex i mean i think all no not (laughs) at all plenty of that (laughs) right like it's like taking that but it's like taking that information and being like like here's this condom. Don't you want to use it? Don't you want to know why? Don't oh, I wanna, see. Or, or whatever it is. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's not that they. No, in it's an not entertaining that way. People don't want to know about sex. It's that you have to make that information valuable and compelling, so they want to like pick it up and take it to heart. Right? Yeah, but even apart from like just condom safety and typical, you know, known sex education, I feel like, yeah, like way back when we like in the caves and whatever, we, <laughs> not that I remember this. I remember but, those caves. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> but we would grow up, I mean, you know, you, you were raised around people having sex, so you just witnessed it all the time. So there was no, like, right. it was just so out in the open. And now, like, right. you, it's like the whole, it's just, it is such a hidden, fascinating thing. And so even, like, you know, rhythm, just it, the actual act of sex is so foreign and unknown. Even even ideas about bodies or nudity or different presentations. I mean, it's something that we have. It's almost a problem. It's like, haha, you did this to yourself, idiot. (laughs) Think about it. Just everything from separating, you know, separating out bedrooms or, you know, isolating people like mothers not being able to breastfeed to young people being so like, oh, we can't see nudity or we can't see this or we can't see that because we automatically associate nudity with something having to do with sex, which is not necessarily the case. We're so strange as a culture about this particular issue. And yet we're so willing to talk about like shooting people and drugs and I don't know, exploiting poor people and all kinds of things like that. We don't care about that. Or we're very cavalier about those issues, but Talk about sex. No way. I know. That's right. very true. Make love, not war, please. <laughs> more more positivity like, and sex Make war and don't talk about love. <laughs> no, but I, I think there is an interesting thought in, in just 
you're right, the education of responsible consumption or like the, you know, it makes me think of sort of an argument I had with a boyfriend once where he was upset with the way a book was written and was, you know, uh, didn't want to read it. And I said, well, but I think that you are an educated person who understands like you can read a book and gain knowledge from it without necessarily agreeing with everything and that it's still a piece of literature for debate. Do you know, like, and, and, and it's with that same discerning eye that you would consume fantasy porn or something or, or you know, educating your child to trust them to go, this is inappropriate. I don't like this. You know, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. And it's, and it's always that kind of educational. Well, I, I mean, I guess – well, also, like, when I'm thinking about the what, how I – viewed porn I like I, I didn't the word fantasy never doesn't come into my mind even now like you guys just mentioned on the show for the first time you know a few minutes ago and I'm like oh yeah porn is fantasy duh good point but like I literally you know and I'm an adult and I'm like I never I've consumed never, it in that through that lens I've never thought of it that way it's just it, these are people having sex yeah that's it it's well, not fantasy I mean, it's and just, that's the part about it that's really confusing so uh, the this is a, it's a tried and true metaphor of mine, which has to do with Fast and the Furious. Like, <laughs> we as a culture don't watch those Fast and the Furious movies and think, "Oh my God, this is this is the way we're supposed to drive a car," right. because we have car driving in our daily lives, and we have driver's ed, and we have this, and we have that, and we can we can disassociate or we can disconnect those things. We can see, "Ooh, action movie," and "Oh, real life," and even in instances when it looks kind of muddied or unclear. There's that little disclaimer. So you see the BMW commercial, the cars racing down the road, and the little little thing underneath says, professional driver, closed course. Right, it's right. right there in our faces. But we don't have that with porn. We don't have that ability to distinguish because not only do we, again, not understand the structure of the industry, we don't have that disclaimer on there. We don't have that. These performers are tested for STIs every two weeks. Um, this is a closed population of professionals. They're not just out there banging randomly, like all of that. We don't have those disclaimers on the bottom. Right. We also don't have, I mean, we know in our head that the rock is not really jumping out of the airplane or flying across like two freeway overpasses. We know that. We know it's a developed stunt. But with porn, it's very different because they are, there, there are people actually having sex. It's a really interesting thing to think about because porn sex is very contrived. It's a performance in front of a camera, mm-hmm. everything set up, <laughs> makeup, mm-hmm. lights, whatever. But it is also sex, physical body inserting, whatever combination of sex between consenting adults which means there has to be some kind of chemistry. Porn performers don't work with each other unless they agree in advance. Not agreement might be, oh, this is going to be good for my career. I'd really love to work with this person. It's a good strategic step. Or that agreement might be, wow, this person is so hot. They're my partner in real life because all of those things happen. But the idea of being able to sort of look at porn and see it as fantasy versus like a physical embodiment of sex, that's much more muddied than it is with something like car race movies because it's not as distinct. Right. That's true. So it contributes to our overall confusion. You know, is it fantasy or is it reality? Well, it is fantasy, but it's also reality. Like, what does this mean to me when you're watching it? Yeah, but having that in my mind, it does make me look at approach porn in a different way. Um, We need to take a break again. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Chantel Tibbles. You can tweet her at Dr. Chantel, and you can tweet us at TA Sex Talk. We'll be right back. Hey, 
Hello, you're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. We're pushing boundaries on conventional thought, especially on porn today. For tonight. <laughs> uh, so uh, yes. we're talking with uh, Dr. Chantelle Tibbles, and you can find her work at chantelletibbles.com. And she's a sociologist who is coming out with a book in July called Exposure, and it's all about uh, sex, society, and adult entertainment. And she she spent a lot of time studying and, this stuff. Yeah, girl. how we're coping and <laughs> clashing with such an important fantasy thing that is probably never going away. <laughs> Yeah, so we're addressing all of our prejudices and all of our rant, rant, rant around porn, and uh, you're, you're you're enlightening us quite a bit. So, um, so from here, I guess I, I can we talk a little bit about um, the judgments, the the negativity a lot of people have around how degrading this is for women, women. or I guess for men yeah. also. But, um, but yeah, that's sort of the, the negative, degrading, that part of it, and what, what you can say about that. I mean, honestly, the simple answer to that is, you know, what's, what's degrading to you or me is probably the hottest thing ever to somebody <laughs> else. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I, you may have sort of mentioning earlier the, the vast, like, spectrum of adult content. There's so much porn there is any kind of thing that you want to see, porn exists. And sadly, because of the way we handle piracy and tube sites and stuff like that, we, as, as casual observers, we get a really small slice. And sometimes that small slice consists of some stuff that's really, really hardcore. And even if we're not talking about super hard hardcore, sometimes things just seem like not our thing or degrading to us or something you maybe would never want done or you wonder why what's being done is not the thing that you want to see. I think the thing to remember always in talking about porn and thinking about ideas of, of who or what may or may not be being empowered or degraded in a scene, and you're really apt to point out men too. One big dimension of my work is a lot about men performers. And we always talk about, you know, women and, you know, disembodiment and you only see this part or the focus is not on women's pleasure. But right. when you talk about men and what's being focused on in terms of men with men performers, you only really see them from like the lower end of the rib cage to the top of the thigh. Yeah, like, and occasional where's their faces? faces. Where are their yeah, brains? Like, the way they're portrayed. <laughs> what's happening to them? And it's 
the, the stuff that men performers go through in, in particular is really interesting and, and widely ignored. So when talking about what's being degraded and, and who's being degraded and all of that, really complicated conversation. They're generally paid always, less as well, I sorry. think. Sorry. Go again? It's generally paid less as well, the men. Oh, men are always... They, there's a couple exceptions. Um, you mentioned... Uh, I don't, actually don't want to talk about how much yeah, people sorry, are anyway, paid because it ahead. always varies, but the vast majority of men are paid um, a couple hundred dollars lower than your average woman performer. So I wrote um, an article in Men's Health a couple months back, and it was about... Um, a guy performer who was this tried and true, you know, done over 500 scenes, very well respected, you know, good performer, good solid performer. And then a brand new girl that nobody had ever heard of who was causing a lot of problems on set. And even though nobody had heard of her, she had no reputation, nothing, nothing, nothing. And even though the guy there who was go to, he was still getting paid, I think, $200 less mm-hmm. for the scene than her. Just that's mind-boggling. And right. when you think about that, that's, that's a really interesting comment, not only on how the industry's labor is structured, that's a comment on us and on what we value and on what we accept as a society and as a culture. I mean, porn is not a bubble. Porn is just a, a sometimes unsavory reflection of what we want. And it's like mm-hmm. it's a two-way mirror, you know, it's going mm-hmm. back and forth. But the idea of being degraded, I mean... That's really complicated. It's, you know, you can go to something like kink.com, for example, and you can watch content that, I mean, I still, makes my eyes pop out of my head, (laughs) knowing, knowing full well, knowing how that company is structured, knowing that um, the woman who runs a lot of their production is a very strong, highly educated feminist performer for many, many years, Hmm. all of that stuff, knowing, knowing the structure of the company, knowing who's behind the scenes, knowing what goes on the set, goes on on set, excuse me. I still sometimes watch that content and go, holy goodness, (laughs) this is a lot. But that's because it's not my speed. But the people who are in the content and the people who watch the content, who pay for the content and who want the content, it is. And then you can kind of back up and you can go and watch a softer, more romance type title or something like that. And, you know, oh, maybe that's boring. It's not my speed or, or whatever. You know, it's it's how you as an individual want to look at it. And if something looks degrading to you, and I mean, I'm using the sort of like generally ubiquitous you, if something is looking degrading to you, then just switch your content and watch something else. In all content that's professionally produced in the United States, the state of California, the state of New Hampshire, through companies that are within the industry network, you can be, you can rest assured that that content is consensual and that performer was safe on set. Obviously, there's bad examples that happen now and again and issues in the adult industry has been around for decades. So just like academia is not perfect law is not perfect. Right. Working at the grocery store is not perfect. There's bad examples for sure. Sure. But by and large, what you are watching is content that a performer has been sent to do and in many instances will tell you, I was so happy to do that. Right. That's one thing that's really interesting because I talked about kink as an example. If you were to go to kink and you watch one of their scenes, I mean, they have like 
shocking and hogtie and whipped ass and like just whoa like hard BDSM kind of things yeah. and when the scene is over they always they film a before, like, hi, we're here and we're going to work today. And then you watch the scene. And then when it's over, you have these sweaty, messy, sticky, always smiling bodies telling you about what a good time they had just because what you see on there is so intense. I mean, there's wow. a, a whole yeah, show that like, okay. channel that yeah. they have. It's called Public Humiliation or Public right, Disgrace yeah. or something like that. And you're like, whoa, that's a whole channel built upon degradation. <laughs> I have to say, but I think about that show, Jackass. People like it. I mean, even that was, like, too much for me. I mean, there's an episode where he staples his balls or something. Like, I don't know, even know how they did that, but that seems much more unsafe than... <laughs> right. Sorry, but um, but, that's, but that's the thing. There's, there's When you get into that level of kink and BDSM, there are safe ways of doing it, and as professional performers, they know how to do it. And, right. you know, just like the professional car driver knows how to drive the car. <laughs> Yeah, and again, noting that the importance is to realize that it's fantasy. Well, and trained not, professionals. And trained professionals, right, uh, versus reality. And there's, also, and there's also instructionals. That's the thing that's interesting, too. Like, there's kink school, you know. Like, you right. can go and, and watch, and, and you can go and get involved. I mean, there's BDSM. Everybody talks about BDSM all of a sudden now because of that silly trilogy of books. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And you can go and, and learn how to do that stuff yourself and, and practice in communities if that's what you want. Sure. I mean, it's, it's totally available to learn. Um, it's, it's there. Right. Chantal, I wanted to, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, judgments and stereotypes and whatnot about porn. Could, what about the benefits? What oh, my gosh, s- the benefits. You know, aside from employing a lot of people, aside from sort of the, the effects that individuals in the community get, when you think about the benefits that porn has on consumers or on, you know, average folks, people watching it, you know, there's a lot of them, aside from just just entertainment, um, stimulation for men alone, women alone, couples together, whoever, aside from just those basic pieces. There's a lot of stuff that porn provides for wider society that we really forget about. Um, access to sex that people might want but can't necessarily get. Um, I know it's fun to think about, you know, us being so wild and swinging in culture now, but, you know, even even three ways or even having a lesbian experience for a woman, for example, not necessarily something that everybody has access to. So again, thinking about this in terms of fantasy, porn provides people access to sex that for various reasons that have to do with social boundaries, um, be they economic, be they quote-unquote moral, whatever it is, um, that we wouldn't necessarily get. Porn also, you know, for people who are exceptionally shy or, you know, physically or mentally disabled or, or something like that, there's a lot. Oh, um, very good point. Alleviation of social ills and, and, and people who, you know, this is something we don't like to talk about. People who are like underserved populations or people who have sure. special needs that don't have, have sexuality. sexuality. Every right. human, yeah. regardless of how you play it, because you can be asexual to pansexual to this sexual to that, whatever it is, the fact remains is that as a human, you have some sort of sexuality. And there are so many people that for various reasons, those dimensions of their bodies and their minds are essentially closed off. They have no right. access to them. And 
porn provides some, it, it might not be the most perfect. It might not be the so whatever expression. look it is, but it does still provide a service. Yeah. And, and that's so important to remember. I think the um the the fantasy aspect of it like I the importance of how someone might not even necessarily want to act on certain things but the pleasure of watching it l- allowing it to still exist without yeah. having you know the lesbian encounter even though they like the idea of it and maybe they maybe the porn video leads them to wanting to try it you know or or opens up that desire um, in or a, in a lets them way. know that maybe it's not for them I mean yeah. maybe there's somebody out there who's like boy wouldn't it be neat to like have my guy and another guy, and then they start thinking about the fantasy in their head, and they're like, no, maybe not for me. It, it allows us to kind of Explore. look at different sexual things without necessarily, quote-unquote, committing in, in literal life. Right. The other thing, too, that porn does, and this is something that is just so powerful in terms of technology, is that there's a lot of folks out there that have sexual proclivities that are outside of the, like, quote-unquote norm. Now, whatever that means, it could be, you know, experiencing or experimenting with BDSM. It could be having a three-way or being a swinger, or it could be being a member of the furry community. Like, whatever it is, the fact remains is that if it's out there, if there's porn about it and there's a community surrounding it, it helps people feel less alone. You know, I mean, as long as your sexual desire involves consent... Right. It does not involve then don't be ashamed underage persons. Yeah. It's I, okay. I have a question and for you. When you have like when when you can go out there and you can see, hey, even though I don't know anybody in my day to day life that is into this thing, there are still thousands of other people that are here in this forum or that are buying this content or that are watching this content that like it. Like I'm not a weirdo. And that's like being able to feel like you're not alone or that you're not quote unquote strange because of your sexual desire. That's amazing. And, and that is hugely beneficial. It is. That's definitely one thing porn does as well. Okay, great. Um, I have a question for you. Do you think porn would be so, so big and such a big industry if we didn't, if, if we weren't so sexually repressed as a culture? No, (laughs) of course not. It's because it's taboo. I mean, if, if we were, if we get to a point in our culture where we're like, everybody's sexual expression is amazing. And, you know, just like you can talk about what your favorite food is, you can talk about your favorite kink or your sexual itch or whatever it is. If we get to that point, then porn will become, you know, like, like food or like dining or something. Like, ooh, there might be like an exciting thing, but it will become part of like our daily life. Cause right, that right. Just sort of is more part of our humanity. In a, in a part of the reason way. why it's such a thing is because sex is still such a thing. Right. So really, uh, so, it, uh, so yeah, I guess an ulti- ultimately to have a healthier porn industry and a healthier sexual environment culturally, the, the more we really attack not attack the shame but relieve relieve (laughs) relieve ourselves of the shame by allowing exploration and acceptance of sexuality then the better we are attack the shame why not attack the shame attack Attack it it. whack it down well i I guess we find a more gentle approach of massaging the shame out honestly though (laughs) i think part of of what's connected with shame and and what's part of you know one of our big blockades is this idea that we don't all have to like everything you know, we don't we don't have to have to be so hardcore if we're not interested in this kind of sex or if we're not, you know, wanting to participate in that. We don't have to. 
Right. And I think Moral there's a kind of a push and pull with that, that right. just because we acknowledge that everybody has these interesting sexual proclivities, it doesn't mean that they're right for everybody. And that's the same thing with porn. Like porn is not the correct venue for everybody, but right. it is for a lot of people. And, and just because it know, is for a lot of people doesn't mean that it's wrong necessarily. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I and think it doesn't it's that mean tolerance. that it, it doesn't mean just because it's right for someone doesn't mean it's right for everybody. But just because it's wrong for somebody doesn't mean it's wrong in general. <laughs> right. A free flow of, of information and exploration and, you know, yeah, access to the education. I but, mean, that's. But we're so puritanical, I think, culturally that it's like, at least I know in my mind, I yeah, was definitely I mean, raised I have so with many this. Biases. This narrow view is what sex is <laughs> like and don't fear and porn right. and everything and, else and outside so of that you is just is, you know strange right or not allowed yeah but it's such a simple <laughs> thing to address too it's like oh i'm weirded out or oh i'm curious like all you have to do is google you don't even have to leave your home like you can just find it there and that's like what a you safe... can't google anymore like that's oh right <laughs> right well and sorry what was the site again that you that not google but like bo- booty oh it's booty go booty go b-o-o-d-i-e-g-o booty go can you tell us some other resources where people could go to if they if they didn't want to be a, a porn bottom feeder <laughs> yes, I can actually. I mean, in general, if if people are looking or people are familiar with the kind of content they like, um, or if they have a performer or a genre or something they like, it's always a safe thing. If you're watching it for free, chances are you're being a bottom feeder. So okay. you should really, you know, pay for your porn, go directly to the site porn. that you like, or go directly to the performer that you like. That's always um, the best option in terms of. You know, there's obviously Booty Go to go and, and look through and find everything adult, which is good. And in terms of sites that are, you know, that I personally like and yeah, um, what do you kind personally of find like? really good. Shush.com is great for is really, a nice. really sort of, you know, it's a little bit naughty, but nothing too crazy, great good, well-done, woman-centered, and woman-led, a company that's run by a woman um, organization group. Um, New Sensations and content directed by Jackie St. James is beautiful. That is coming out now. Very, very good. Um, Girlfriends Films is another extremely ethical, fantastic company. Um, Wicked Pictures is also very, very good, and they're a condom-only company, um, and that's kind of alluring for some people. There's a lot of options out there. Hmm. Right. You can support ethical porn. (laughs) Yes, you can. Um, Trouble Films is another one for people who are interested in more kind of edgy, queer porn and things like that. Also a very, very good space to go to. Great. We are out of time. An hour Thank goes fast. So Thank you. Dr. Chantel <laughs> Tibbles. <laughs> She's like a wealth of information. You can find her uh, info at her website, ChantelTibbles.com. She's the author of the book Exposure, which is coming out July 7th this year. It's on pre-sale now. You can buy it from Powell's if, you, if Powell's is your thing, but also Amazon and everywhere else. And She's a fountain of poor knowledge. A fountain of <laughs> Very true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your work. Yeah. Um, oh, thank you. you. Keep thank you so going. much for having me. It was great talking. It's lovely. Yes. We're, 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 thanks for coming on. It was great. This and is Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. <laughs> this is not-